Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we'll be discussing Radar Rat Race. What does Radar Rat Race have in common with Jelly Monster and Star Battle? Stay tuned to this episode to find out the answer to this question. Before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy Headlines. I try not to get too much into my personal technical life on this podcast. If you want to hear more about technical projects and things that are going on in my life, you should check out my other podcast, which is You Don't Know Flack. You can find a link to that at robohara.com forward slash podcasts. Um, or you can just go to podcast.robohara.com. That'll take you right to the You Don't Know Flack uh, link. But... This episode almost didn't happen this week because last week my main computer, the computer that I record podcasts and edit podcasts and everything else on, uh, completely died. I did a firmware upgrade, and for the first time ever in the history of my life, I had a firmware upgrade fail. Uh, I was uh, maybe lazy, call it lazy, or uh, foolish, or a little too brave and was upgrading my PC's firmware while I was inside Windows, running Windows 10, and about 75% of the way through the flash. Windows 10 blue screen. It's the first <laughs> blue screen I've had on Windows 10 on that machine. And when I rebooted, my computer was a brick. Um, now, the good news is most of the data, most of the things that I write, I use Google Docs for, so those were all safe up in Google's cloud, and all of my data is always backed up on my server. And my backups, I like to say I have backups of my backups, so I didn't lose any data, but I did lose my main PC. Now, the PC was six years old, I guess, after the new year. It was seven years old, so um, one of my, my personal mottos is I'm always happy when something I own like that dies, because that means I get new stuff. So when old toys die, you get to replace them with new toys. So I uh, just tried out my new Amazon Prime account, found a replacement PC, and ordered one. And two days later, it showed up. So it showed up yesterday, and I spent the better part of last night and this morning reloading all my programs, reloading Windows 10, thank you, Microsoft, and uh, getting everything back up and running. So I was a little f afraid that I wasn't going to meet this week's deadline, but I was able to get stuff back up and running. So we are here. I have to dedicate this episode to two different people. The first is my lovely wife, Susan. Last year, last August, we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary, which is crazy. We are both... Uh, 42 years old. We met in high school. Actually, we met in seventh, seventh grade, I guess. Yeah. Seventh, eighth grade. And, um, she, as we like to say, she pursued me <laughs> and eventually I got tired of running away and finally just stopped running and let her catch me. <laughs> um, but, uh, as you may know, I, I, uh, you know, one thing I, I'm trying to be more cognizant of on this show is, uh, I didn't realize how many readers or, uh, uh, listeners I have from different countries. So I don't know if everybody celebrates Valentine's day, but today is February 14th. It is Valentine's day, at least here in the United States. And I assume in other places and Valentine's day is a, uh, what I like to call a, a made-up holiday. <laughs> it's a holiday that serves no purchase or uh, no no purpose other than to purchase uh, items. So uh, it's it's a pretty simple formula. However much you love somebody is how much you spend on them financially. So if you just love your wife a little bit, you buy her a card. And if you love her a little bit more, you buy her a card and some chocolate. <laughs> and if you love her a whole lot, she gets flowers and and a card and chocolate and dinner and whatever she wants. That's, that's when, you know, uh, 
that you've been married a long time. Uh, we've been married so long that uh, the day before yesterday, my wife came home with a, a big vase of uh, roses and set them on the table and said, I like these. And so these are to me from you. And I said, perfect. <laughs> and this morning we went out to breakfast and uh, we each stopped by uh, uh, a store and we picked out what kind of candy we wanted and we called it good. So that was our Valentine's Day. Uh, not a super romantic uh, affair, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I do like those types of holidays that make you stop and think uh, that you appreciate the person in your life, you know, or, or, uh, whoever you're, you're with, um, you know, whether it's been for a little while or a long while, but, uh, yeah, you know, without my wife, my wife is the person not, not in my creative endeavors, sometimes my creative endeavors, but, uh, more often than not in real life, she's the person that keeps me organized and keeps me on track and focused. If it weren't for my wife, I would not be back in school. I wouldn't have gone to school the last time. I probably wouldn't have the job I have today. I definitely wouldn't have the kids and the family and all the great things that I have. So this Commodore 64 podcast about old games is Dedicated to you, baby. <laughs> By the way, she'll never hear this. <laughs> Too bad for her. Uh, when when my wife and I first moved in together, uh, which was in 1993, uh, her father had, had passed away the year before, and so she had brought some of his things when we moved in. And while she was unpacking, the first two things she pulled out of a box were a framed poster of the Three Stooges, and her dad's Commodore 128 computer. And she had grown up playing on the Commodore as I did. And she knew uh, Sam, the uh, the software automated mouth, or whatever it's called, <laughs> uh, the speech synthesizer program. She can still recite the entire Sam demo uh, by mouth. And, and she played Commodore games. And so I thought, this is probably the one to hang on to when a girl moves in and she brings her three stooges poster and her Commodore computer. That's probably a girl you don't want to let go. And so here we are, uh, 20 and a half years later. That sounds crazy to me. Uh, the show is also dedicated to my friend, Justin. I had three friends growing up that had Commodore computers. I mean, I knew lots of people obviously that had Commodore computers, but my buddy, Andy, uh, was the first friend I met that had his dad had a Commodore. And that's where I got exposed to a lot of the early games that I played. And then my buddy Jeff, who I talk about a lot on this show, Jeff and I met in seventh grade and he had a Commodore. And then um, my buddy Justin, who I met in eighth or ninth grade, Justin and I met online. Uh, Andy lived on my street. Jeff went to my school uh, but Justin and I, Justin lived on the other side of town and we met, he ran a BBS. And so I had called his BBS and we met and hit it off. And, um, I would say all of us, I, I don't want to say that there were all best friends. Jeff and Andy obviously knew each other because we lived in the same town. Uh, but they are friendly to Justin, but of course, uh, Justin moved away. Uh, he lives up in the Seattle area now, but I am still friends with all of those people. In fact, they were all, uh, they were all groomsmen at my wedding. Uh, I, I just saw Andy last weekend. Jeff lives in Denver right now, so I don't get to see him as often as I would like. And, um, uh, but all those guys are the three people, you know, uh, that I grew up with that were all my best friends. And, uh, Justin's birthday is also on Valentine's day. So, uh, I always, uh, send him a text, or and it's easy to remember, you know, <laughs> when it's on a holiday like that. So, uh, but Justin is definitely the guy, you know, he ran a BBS and let me kind of, uh, help out and help, you know, take it over. I mean, the, we did graphics together and, and, uh, you know, would always spend the night at each other's houses and work on the Commodore and play games and stuff like that. So a lot of, a lot of great Commodore memories with Justin. Uh, none of those three people, have their Commodore systems anymore or care anything about Commodore computers. <laughs> uh, and they, I'm sure they all think I'm crazy uh, that I have kept the torch alive. Every now and then I will show one of them a game that we used to play or talk about a memory and they all look at me like I'm crazy. So uh, too bad for them. They're missing out on the uh, retro bug. But anyway, uh, happy birthday to Justin. 
Let's move on to some feedback I got. I got a couple of emails. Now, if you recall on the last episode, I said that there was a new uh, emulator, Commodore 64 emulator out for the Mac. And so I asked people if they would, if there were any Mac listeners out there, if they would listen uh, to the show, if they would try that or, you know, if they had any feedback on that. And so I did get two different messages from people. The first was from uh, David M.T., uh, who's a listener, and he sent me a message on Twitter. And he says he is rooting for Virtual C64 on the Mac, which was the uh, uh, program that I mentioned on the last episode. He says it looks beautiful, but he finds it buggy, and he thinks that Vice, although older, is more stable. Now, Vice is the emulator that I use, and Vice, of course, uh, has been ported to almost everything. I had a GP, uh, what were those called, Game Park 32 handheld console, and one of the first things that showed up on it was a uh, uh, somebody ported, uh, I th- you know, I take that back. I think they ported Frodo to it. But um, uh, but Vice has appeared on everything. It's on Linux, Mac, Windows, console. I mean, everything. You, you can find Vice running on almost everything. And uh, so I didn't even think about that on the Mac. Um, I got another email from Jens. I'm going to try your last name, Jens, so forgive me here. Lugengroot. Lugengroot. Uh, I'm in Oklahoma. I don't even speak English that well. So, <laughs> so I'm glad you guys cut me some slack, uh, when it comes to your names. Uh, Jen says in the last episode of Sprite Castle that I mentioned that the new version of virtual C64 was out and asked about Commodore emulation on Mac OS X. Well, he says he has virtual C64 installed on his iMac, but he generally also uses vice. So there's two votes for vice. He says there's a distribution for modern Mac systems uh, that features 2.4, which is the same version I run on my PC. I run WinVice, uh, which has Vice 2.4 as well. Uh, He says he hasn't seen any major difference between uh, Vice for the different platforms. He says there's also a nice front end for the GameBase64 collection called GameBase Browser 64, which uh, is connected to the Vice uh, 64 emulator. And, uh, so anyway, you know, those, those front ends are nice too. Uh, you know, if you don't like going in there and clicking around in a, uh, an interface or auto, you know, mounting discs and browsing around those, uh, front ends, just let you browse, look at, at, uh, you know, sometimes the instructions, sometimes a graphic or a video, uh, and, and they're really handy. I, I had, um, gosh, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name now, but a, a listener uh, sent me uh, basically a USB stick that was configured with a front end for Commodore. Oh, man, I use that thing all the time. I'm so grateful for that thing. Uh, it really makes it easy when I want to you know, fire up a quick game to review for the show or when I travel. I just take that thing with me and you can just you know stick that USB thing in and, and uh, fire it up. So it's really handy. So... Yeah, those front ends are, are um, uh, you know, you don't have to have them, but they sure are nice. It, it makes it a lot easier. But anyway, so that is two two votes for Vice uh, for the Mac. So I need to update the SpriteCastle.com download section. You know, I have links to all the games that we play on the show and to some emulators, but I will double-check and make sure that Vice for the Mac is listed there as well. And Jens uh, noted that he is from Bavaria which I know almost nothing about, but I looked it up. And uh, we're going to talk about Bavaria here a few minutes later on in the show. On to Commodore-related news. Uh, I have a couple of things here. Uh, Number one is that the new issue of Reset is out. That's Reset number eight. Reset is the uh, free online newsletter that you can get. It's more than a newsletter. It's a, a full magazine uh, that covers the Commodore 64 content. There's all kinds of good stuff in this one. Uh, lots of reviews and articles. I just started browsing through it yesterday. Uh, so there's lots of uh, uh, good stuff in there. So uh, as usual, I will always have links to all these things in the show notes. So I won't say that with every <laughs> news feature that I mentioned. But uh, you can go to SpriteCastle.com, look up this episode, which is Radar Rat Race, and you can find all these links. 
I just saw a news article discussing the 1541 diagnostic cartridge. I think I talked about this on a previous episode. This was a new news article, so I'm not sure if this has been updated or if it's just the uh, same, you know, someone else picked up the story later. But uh, there is a 1541 diagnostic cartridge. This is really handy. I don't have one, but I've I've, uh, looked at it, and if you work on Commodore hardware at all, I think this would be an invaluable cartridge to own, mostly because if you have a a disk drive that doesn't work, you can't load disk drive utilities to check out the drive (laughs) on the drive. So having it on a cartridge uh, and you just turn the machine on and you can check all these, you can check the alignment, the speed, you can scan a disk. There's all kinds of uh, handy little tools all on this one cartridge. So uh, if you buy, you know, a lot of Commodore drives or, or you're, you're in that sort of business, or you just want to check your own stuff out. Uh, I would, I would check out this 1541 diagnostic cartridge. I found one, two, three, four, five games that have been released since the last episode of Sprite Castle. This is crazy. I mean, I love it. I love downloading these. I don't review as many new games on the show just because, they don't really have the nostalgia factor, although some of these do. Um, but I may, you know, do an episode where I review some newer type titles. First off, we have Hugo Hunt. This was originally back in the 80s an Atari XE game. And that was recently, a new version was released for the Commodore 64 and Commodore 16, which is something I don't see a lot of Commodore 16 new games coming out these days. So uh, Hugo Hunt was the first one. The second one is Rock Maze, uh, which is a new game by Reset uh, Magazine staff. So uh, Rock Maze is similar in theory to Boulder Dash. So, uh, you know, you have to go through a maze, collect diamonds, watch out for boulders. And that looks really fun, too. So you could go check out Rock Maze. Speaking of Boulder Dash, a new release called Boulder Dashes has been released, which is uh, uh, Boulder Dash. But also, along with the release, they also released the source code. So if you want to go take a look and maybe hack up your own levels. I think that's this also has some custom uh, levels included in here. Boulder Dash is uh, maybe a game we'll, we'll cover. It's a fun game uh, to play. I think I covered that on the video version of Sprite Castle. Never got back around uh, to cover it on the audio show. There's a new game out called Slime. Slime was originally a game for the Commodore Pet. And uh, this isn't a port. I believe this was written from scratch after viewing that original game. Uh, and it's a game where uh, it almost it kind of reminded me of, of uh, Kicks from, from Taito almost. Uh, it, but uh, I haven't played it yet. I've only seen the screenshots of this. But it looks pretty cool. Uh, and it looks like one of those that... It's not real in-depth. It looks like something you can just pick up and and start playing. So that's – I've downloaded it, and it is on my SD card to play later on tonight uh, on my Real 64. As as often as I can, I play these on the Real 64 using my Ultimate 1541. Uh, And finally, this came out of the blue. There was a new release called Professional Load Runner. Um, This is a new release – I don't fully understand. The release uh, notes that I saw were not written, I don't think, as English as a first language. Like, I think maybe it's been translated. So I had a little bit of trouble understanding uh, everything about this release. It is Load Runner. It comes along with a, uh, it's packaged with a zip file that has 55 disks of custom levels that you can load and play in Load Runner. And uh, I believe it also has the level editor built in. So this is like Load Runner Plus. Like if you like Load Runner on the Commodore 64, and I love Load Runner, uh, then you're going to want to get this. I, I looked through the disks, the level disks earlier, and they all are individual disk files. Um, just zipped up. It's not as big as you would think. I think it's like 500 K or a little bit under that for all the discs. But, uh, um, so yeah, this is called professional load runner. And, um, so maybe we'll, we'll talk about load runner in the future and we'll, we'll dive into this version as well. So anyway, links to all those games will be available for download on spritecastle.com. So go check those out. And now let's get to this episode's King of the Castle. 
This episode's King of the Castle is Michael D'Angelo. Michael correctly guessed the song from the last episode, which was Bananarama's Cruel Summer. Uh, that was the obvious tie-in was that that was uh, played in the Karate Kid, and we covered Karate Champ, so that was the uh, tie-in. I got a request from Emmanuel Perion, who requested that I start adding the links to where I get the songs from. So I will start doing that. I will add those to the show notes. So if you want to go uh, hear or download. Uh, the 8-bit versions of the King of the Castle songs. Most of them do come from YouTube, so if you want to go, uh, I, you know, where, wherever I get them from, I will add the link so you can go check that out. For this song, I got, this is just from the first day, I got correct guesses from John Justice, Joseph Sharippa, Joe Barlow, David Modelak. Oh, man, I know I, I just messed your name up. Motolak. Gosh, sorry, Dave. And uh, Corey Engel. I know I got some other guesses, too. And there was um, one listener, Etienne, who we talked about a little bit on the last episode, who had some trouble guessing this song. And it didn't dawn on me that maybe people from other countries had not seen uh, The Karate Kid. So uh, he did eventually get it by looking on uh, Wikipedia and uh, looking up the song, and it mentions that it was uh, uh, featured in the movie Karate Kid, and he put two and two together. So it's uh, it's not fair, folks. The king of the castle is not always fair. <laughs> but it's fair this week for Michael D'Angelo. So um, I think last episode we had the two kings of the castle. We had Aardvark and Jizzabaz, and they tore the place up. There's crap everywhere. There's popcorn on the carpet, beer bottles. Uh, these guys uh, don't know how to take care of a throne room. So uh, we, we've we got uh, the staff cleaning things up for Michael, and he will be moving in shortly. So uh, thanks, everybody who sent in guesses for uh, the last episode's King of the Castle. And if you would like to be the next episode's King of the Castle, all you need to do is correctly identify the secret 8-bit song played during the show's closing credits. The song will not be from the game discussed in the episode, but will relate to the episode's theme in some way. Once you have identified the secret song, the first person to send the song title to me, either through Facebook, Twitter, email, or the show's voice mailbox, will be the next episode's King of the Castle. All those contacts are listed in the show's closing credits. And those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paperboy, who just got his bicycle tire stuck in a sidewalk grate. Am I great or what? Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. So as I mentioned previously, uh, I did get some helpful email from Jens, and Jens mentioned that he is from Bavaria. Now there's something funny about the word Bavaria. I only know... Two things about Bavaria, other than it's in Germany. I know that uh, we have Bavarian cream <laughs> that we put inside our donuts. Uh, and I know that there's a restaurant very near me called Royal Bavaria. And, uh, uh, you know, I just couldn't stop thinking about that. You know, um, I, I just thought this has got to be a coincidence that a Sprite Castle listener would mention Bavaria to me. There's a restaurant near me called Royal Bavaria. So that's what we did. Uh, my wife and I went to go eat at Royal Bavaria. Holy camoly. It is a German restaurant and brewery beer garden. Uh, it is fantastic. It's expensive. You know, I mean, it is a nice place to go eat. Um, we had uh, uh, these pretzels with uh, uh, cheese curds and German beer and, uh, oh man, that was just for the appetizer. I'm, I'm just looking here. I just pulled up their menu. Uh, you can find them at royal-bavaria.com. Uh, if you're ever in the Oklahoma city area and looking for, uh, this is another thing I get no kickback on, but I'm telling you, if you like German food, oh my gosh, I had, um, let me see if I can find this thing on here. Cordon Bleu mit Brackenkoflin. And Preisenberin. 
I just made every German listener cringe. I'm sorry. It says, this famous veal schnitzel is filled with gourmet ham and Swiss cheese, rolled and hand-breaded, baked and served with home-fried potatoes, garnished with cranberry sauce. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. And um, I'm looking here for, um, I think my wife had, uh, gosh, I don't remember which one it was. Um, they have rainbow trout, oven roasted pork, uh, meatloaf. Oh man, it was so good. Uh, and of course, you know, they have, uh, all their, uh, amazing, uh, uh, beers and the beer garden, everything there. So, uh, it just, uh, it was a great choice. It was a good choice. So I'm glad that I got an email from somebody in Bavaria that inspired me, uh, to go to Royal Bavaria and uh and have some food. They also on the menu uh have rats. No, they don't have rats, but this game has rats. It's Radar Rat Race. It was programmed by Hal Laboratories. It was published for the Commodore 64 in 1982 by Commodore. It is a game for one player that uses joystick or keyboard controls. Now, HAL Laboratories did several games for the Commodore 64. They did a lot for uh, the VIC-20 as well. We're going to talk a lot about the VIC-20 on this episode. But for the Commodore 64, they are credited for Jupiter Lander, Le Mans, uh, Money Wars, Night Drivers, and Pinball Spectacular, although they they worked on uh, other games. They have released games for the NES, the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo 64, the GameCube, Wii, and Wii U. If you look up uh, some of the games they have released, they released many Kirby games and Pokemon games. Uh, and uh, they're, I think the latest ones they've released, well, Wii U and the Game Boy, uh, they have stuff from the Game Boy all the way up to the 3DS. So uh, they are definitely, uh, after leaving the Commodore 64 world, they moved and have been very Nintendo-centric. Commodore, as a software company, released 34 games for the Commodore 64. Now, all of these, as far as I know, were uh, developed by other companies like HAL Laboratories and just published by Commodore. They published... Several text adventures. I saw uh, The Count and Voodoo Castle. Those are Scott Adams' text adventures on their list. Uh, Zork 1, 2, and 3. They had some Infocom. uh, Well, obviously Zork. uh, They also had uh, Suspended and Deadline. Uh, But they also had several arcade ports. They had uh, Gorf. Omega Race, Solar Fox, Star Ranger, and Wizard of War. So uh, all of those, most of those are pretty early in the Commodore 64 software lifecycle. I think they got out of software publishing relatively early. Uh, But one of the games that they put out was Radar Rat Race. So let's talk about the context around this game. First of all, we have Rally X. Rally X is a arcade game released by Namco in 1980. Uh, in Rally X, you drive a race car and you are being chased by other race cars and you drive around in a maze. You can't see the whole maze. You can only see a small section of the maze and you have to use a radar on the side of the screen to help you find uh, all the flags that you need to collect to clear the level. And it also shows you where the cars are that are chasing you. There are also stationary rocks that you have to avoid. And when the enemy cars get too close behind you, you can press your button and use a smoke screen. And the smoke screen will temporarily uh, confuse the cars. It'll get them stuck. It looks like uh, big pieces of popcorn, actually. Uh, now, on the screen, as I said, the left three-fourths or maybe even two-thirds of the screen are the actual maze that you're playing in. And again, you can only see a small part of that. And then the right section of the screen shows the score, uh, the fuel, your radar, the number of cars you have left, and what round number you're on. Now, 
Uh, oh, and when you get into a collision, I guess I should say uh, <laughs> there's a little explosion and then it says the word bang. It literally writes the word bang on the screen. There's a reason we're talking about Rally X is because Commodore was uh, licensed to port several Namco games over to the VIC-20, but only in Japan. So one of those games was Rally X. So in Japan, in 1981, they released VIC Rally X, which was the full title. Uh, They moved the fuel gauge around. The radar doesn't look quite as good. But overall, everything that appears in the arcade version of Rally X appears on VIC Rally X again, which is pretty amazing considering the the limitations of the uh, VIC-20 computer. So as I mentioned, Commodore only licensed uh, those Namco games for the Japanese uh, market for VIC-20. But to be able to sell those games in other countries and then eventually to port it to the Commodore 64, they had to change uh, the games. They had to change the graphics and they had to change the titles. So uh, Rally X became Radar Rat Race. They also had several other games, including Jelly Monster, which was their version of Pac-Man, so that was renamed, and Star Battle, which was originally Galaxian. So in Japan, they had the original names, but then uh, to go to the American market, they were renamed. And in some of those games, the graphics were uh, changed, and some of them Uh, more slightly (laughs) than others. Uh, So that brings us to the American VIC-20 market. And we have, now we have Radar Rat Race instead of Rally X. So what is the difference between Radar Rat Race and Rally X? Well, uh, first of all, I I always, these uh, inconsistencies in titles and naming always jump out at me. It always makes me question whether the cartridge was maybe done at a different time than the manual uh, or was it translated or why are they different? But the, the cartridge says radar rat race. So rat race is one word. (laughs) Radar is a word and rat race is a word. Uh, The title screen, when you fire it up says Vic rat race, which is different. Um, Now, as far as the layout of everything on the screen, it's identical to uh, Vic Rally X. But all the graphics and the colors have been changed. So first of all, the the uh, levels, you know, all the, the background colors have been changed. All the cars, uh, well, your, your car has been changed to a mouse, uh, a blue mouse. And the cars that are chasing you have been changed to red rats. Now their graphic of a rat and your graphic of a mouse are identical except for the color. But, uh, according to the manual, you're a mouse and they are rats. Uh, in the original rally X, you are collecting flags In radar rat race. You are collecting cheese. Uh, in the original rally X, you had to avoid stationary rocks. In this game, you have to avoid stationary black cats. Uh, in the original rally X, you could let out a smoke screen in radar rat race. You can also let out a magical gassy thing out of your backside. I always assumed this was magic mouse farting power (laughs) or something. Uh, But it turns out it is your star screen. And uh, the manual does talk a little bit about the star screen, which sounds like uh, that somebody really had to justify how this was not a mouse just farting. Uh, And then they changed the little text. So whenever you collide into something, it no longer says bang. It now says eek. The music is very repetitive in this game and uh, you cannot turn it off. (laughs) It's, It's terrible. So that's the VIG-20 version. Uh, It was ported over to the Commodore 64 in the U.S. First of all, it was only a cartridge release. Uh, It is a, when you dump it out to a diskette, it's about 25 blocks, which means, uh, I think if the math is right, that's about 6K. Uh, It's less than 8K for sure. So this is a really small program. In fact, 
I'm pretty sure it's written in basic uh, based on the sound and, and the way that it looks and plays. Uh, other than that, there's not a lot of difference between uh, uh, this and the uh, VIC-20 version. The uh, cart, box, and manual for the Commodore version of Radar Rat Race all have it as three separate words, Radar, Rat, Race. The box art has a picture of a mouse with cheese in his mouth. A mouse with cheese in his mouth. This episode is full of tongue twisters. Uh, there are three rats chasing you, and the rats have these really humanistic kind of looking hand claws that are really creepy looking. Uh, and then you have your magic star power coming out of your butt, <laughs> which seems to be confusing the rats. Uh, and it says Commodore 64 at the top and Commodore uh, down at the bottom. And that's you know, normally I, I like to poke at companies that put their own name twice on title screens or on the front of the box. But uh, this is so early in the Commodore uh, software lifecycle that I think they're trying to, by putting Commodore 64, they're trying to differentiate this between this and a VIC-20 uh, cartridge. The uh, manual has a few interesting things. First of all, there are three steps included for how to insert a cartridge into your Commodore computer. I think <laughs> later titles just kind of assume people know how to do that. Uh, it does clarify that what I thought was mouse fart power is actually a star screen and the star screen creates a false scent, which confuses the rat. So that's what you're doing. You're not confusing them. Uh, you're not lactose intolerant, uh, and leaving a smoke screen behind you. You're actually leaving mouse, a false mouse scent, which makes less sense, but, uh, it's a little bit more politically correct. I suppose, um, there's a long section in the manual trying to explain what the radar is without using the word radar. I don't know if they thought people would know what radar was or if they wanted to specifically not use that word. I don't know why, but, but this is what it says on the right side. Oh, sorry. On the right hand side of the screen is a small scale plan of the maze, which not only shows the situation of each cheese, but also the whereabouts of each rat. The cheeses are known as squares your mouse is indicated by a moving square and the chasing rats are the red X figures. I mean, why doesn't it just say on the right is a radar that shows where everything is, but it's like they try to specifically not use the word radar. Um, then it says throughout the maze randomly placed are 10 cheeses. First of all, this has some definite, uh, I guess uh, English uh, issues going on. Something happened in the translation because there are some awkwardly worded sentences in this manual. Second of all, this manual uses the word cheeses too many times. I mean, if you were going to pluralize cheese, I mean, I would say cheeses would be, um, I would never say cheeses. <laughs> I might say, holy cheeses. <laughs> No, I wouldn't even say that. I would say types of cheese if I were thinking about, you know, multiple different brands or, or you know, types of cheese. Uh, or if, you know, I might say blocks of cheese. Like I would, I guess I would pluralize the word that comes before it. I don't think I would ever say there are, like in my uh, refrigerator, I have many cheeses. <laughs> I don't think I would say that. Uh, but this does it over and over. And it's it really, it made me laugh a lot. Uh, here's a quote. When having eaten all 10 cheeses, you may receive a bonus score dependent on how much time is left, but also the level of play increases with more cats to avoid and more chasing rats. There are no commas <laughs> in that sentence as it appears in the manual. Uh, and then, uh, the back page of the manual I thought was interesting. Uh, they've cut the entire back page says, Commodore offers a full range of peripherals to increase the capabilities of your Commodore 64 and tailor your system to any need or budget. And then there are several things, including the Commodore monitor, uh, a single disk drive, a printer, a modem, a data set, and all of those are copyright 81, even though the uh, game itself is copyright 82. When you turn the game on, obviously, if you're playing the cartridge version of this, it goes immediately uh, to the title and menu screen. Uh, it says F1 starts the game. Actually, it says F1 to run. You get a bonus rat at 20,000 points. 
pressing the letter S is the star screen, and then uh, it shows you what keys to move if you don't have a joystick, and it begins playing Three Blind Mice. The controls for this game are pretty simple. If you have a joystick, the joystick in port 1, you press the four directions to move your mouse around, and the button releases your magic star fart power. If you don't have a joystick, you can control uh, your mouse with the four uh, keys, which are listed, which are not the traditional... I always think of keyboard games as being I, J, K, and M, or I, J, L, and M. Uh, but on this game, it's P is up, L is left, a period is down, and a semicolon is right. And then uh, S releases your star screen. Uh, I, you know, maybe they like that positioning of those keys, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially when you're trying to uh, explain the game to somebody. And you're like, no, press semicolon, press semicolon. <laughs> I don't know. It just, just seems uh, odd. Uh, we talked a little bit about the gameplay. The goal is to go around the maze and collect all 10 cheeses. You want to avoid the stationary cats and the rats that are chasing you around the game. Uh, the rats and you, as the mouse, move at the same speed. Now, in the arcade game of Rally X, I know the longer you play, the faster the chasing cars get. But I played this, and I don't think that the chasing rats ever get any faster in this game. The graphics in the game are basic sprites. They are single color sprites. Uh, so you have that and you have text. Uh, and then you have the music, which I mentioned, which is only done on one voice. Uh, you know, the Commodore was known for its sound capabilities. This game is not known for its sound capabilities. This uh, is the type of music that would be used uh, by the military in those those torture situations where they play the same thing over and over. You will feel like you're being tortured when you listen to this. And that, again, as far as I know, there's no way to disable the sound in this game. Now, obviously, uh, you know, modern monitors and televisions have volume controls, and you may find yourself turning the volume down on this game. The score, as it is mentioned in the manual, each cheese, well, the first cheese you collect is worth 100 points. The next one is 200, and they double. One of the 10 cheeses is worth two times bonus. So uh, under the score strategy, it says if you can get that one first, then, uh, you know, it will, you're going to double all the cheeses after that. So it's, it's going to pay off. Uh, you know, on your score, if you can do that. But uh, the the bonus one is, is, you can see where it is on the radar, but it's never the one that's close to you. Uh, and then, as it mentioned uh, earlier, when you get to the end of the level, uh, there's a time, you get bonus for how much time you have left. So in, in the Rally X, it was how much fuel you had left, but on this, it's just a, a basic timer. Uh, there is a high score listed on RetroComputerScene.com. The high score is 54,780. Um, that seems like a pretty good score to me. I didn't get anywhere near that. Uh, I think I only got an extra man maybe once. So, And that was at 20,000. So I, I couldn't even get halfway uh, to this high score. Reviews for this game when it came out were surprisingly positive. <laughs> Uh, Computer and Video Game Magazine gave this 7 out of 10. And that was in 1984, two years after this game was released. And Popular Computing Weekly in 1983 gave this game 100%. Perfect. This game is perfect, they said. I went and found the, the uh, issue that had this review. This is what the issue said. This is a direct quote from their review. Quote, Rat Race is an ingenious game and one that I would recommend wholeheartedly. Let me tell you what my quote is. I don't recommend this game wholeheartedly. <laughs> 100%. That is amazing. Uh, 
this game, uh, let's see, on a ports. Well, uh, Radar Rat Race only appears on the VIC-20 and the Commodore 64. So if you're really wanting to play a version of Rally X where the graphics have been changed and the name has been changed to Radar Rat Race, you're going to need to play it on a Commodore computer. However, there are lots of different ports of Rally X, uh, other than the arcade version. Uh, Rally X is such an old game. There's a, a game called Rally for the TRS-80. Uh, Rally X was officially ported to the MSX. Uh, there's a pirate version called Mihun Chi, and it's also known as BB Car. That appears on a lot of uh, NES pirate cartridges. Uh, obviously, Rally X appears on some of the Namco. I think it's on Namco Classic Collection. Let me see if I have it. I said I wrote Volume Two uh, for the uh, PlayStation. It's also a newer version is on Namco Museum Remix. So there are ways to play the Rally X on different systems. In fact, there's a uh, a new updated version called Rally X Rumble. That's very uh, spacey kind of version that's out there for iOS. So if you want to play Rally X, there's a lot of options. If you want to play Radar Rat Race, you're going to have to play either the Commodore or the VIC-20 version. This game is not particularly rare or desirable <laughs> to own, I would say. Loose copies right now are $3.99. Buy it now on eBay, and there is a complete in-box Copy, that's a box, cartridge, and manual for $12 or best offer. And to date, no one has offered him anywhere near $12 for that. So good luck with that. Now let's get into my personal memories of Radar Rat Race. All right, time travelers. Seatbelt fastened. Check the doorway to the past. Memories. So the reality is I don't have a lot of memories about Radar Rat Race, and this is why. Radar Rat Race came out in 1982. So all of those old silver label Commodore cartridges that came out in 1982, people bought those because they didn't have a data set, you know, the cassette player, and they didn't have disk drives, so they didn't have floppy disk games yet. I mean, I'm talking about owners, not that the that, that technology wasn't out. But these came out in 1982. Now, this game is very, very simplistic. In 1983, one year later, you have Load Runner, uh, Jumpman, Archon, Beachhead. In 1984, you have Impossible Mission. You have Summer Games. You have Elite, uh, Bruce Lee, Karateka. So games were exponentially getting better every year. Uh, the games between 82 and 83, there's a huge leap. There's another huge leap between 83 and 84, another huge leap between 84 and 85. So I first really started playing around on the Commodore over at Andy's house, either in 83 or 84. I met Jeff in 85, and then that's when I got my Commodore. So that's really where I came in. So uh, by the time, you know, 84 and 85, when I was playing Commodore games, the stuff that came out in 1982 looked absolutely prehistoric, and it was compared to those games. So uh, this cartridge is dirt common. Uh, like I said, so many people bought it because they didn't have tape drives, they didn't have disk drives yet, uh, and cartridge games were available. You could just plug a cartridge in and, and play it. Uh, I know Jeff had a copy of this. I don't remember ever playing it at his house, but I do remember seeing it. I've owned at least three copies of this cartridge. Every time I buy a lot of Commodore 64 carts, this game is in it. I just looked, and I still have two, and uh, one of them, well, actually, both of them look brand new. I don't, and I don't think I've ever played either of my cartridges. So, uh, yeah, th this game—it's out there everywhere, and and if you play it, you'll see uh, why there are so many copies that people are trying to get rid of. <laughs> For graphics, I give this game two out of five cheeses. And you can obviously tell that the mouse is a mouse. You can tell that the rats are red mice. You can tell that the cheese is cheese. So it's not like you can't tell what things are, but you really are looking at primitive single color sprites and not a lot of advanced work. 
For music, I give it one out of five cheeses. If you can't tell why, go back and listen to the episode again. I've played you the entire musical score. Sound effects, also one out of five cheeses. There's just nothing here. Overall gameplay, I give it two out of five cheeses. You know, Rally X is such a fun game, and Radar Rat Race is similar in spirit, but there's just so much that's not here. Uh, graphically, visually, sonically, uh, I hate to say it, but this game is cheesy. again for tuning in to Castle. If you want to play this week's game, head on over to SpriteCastle.com and click on the Downloads link at the top of the page, where you can download Commodore 64 emulators and all the games that have been reviewed on the show. If you'd like to send me a game request, feedback about this show, or any episode of Castle, you can email it to me at robohara at robohara.com, contact me on Twitter at Commodore, follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SpriteCastle, or leave me a voicemail on the Flat Podcast Hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Castle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the SpriteCastle.com RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flack, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness. You can find links to all these shows at robohara.com forward slash podcasts. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the right-hand side of SpriteCastle.com. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get back to eating cheeses, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.